Hello and welcome to the Pulp Diction Podcast. After a substantial summer break, I am pleased to be back with y'all and joined by Brother Nick Young to preview this upcoming NBA 2018-2019 season. We're starting with the Eastern Conference in this podcast, Western Conference podcast to be named later. I'm very excited to be back. It's been too long. I was away all summer. I had other shit going on. Whatever excuses. It's almost NBA season. Nick, how are you feeling? Zach, I, I can't tell you how excited I am, not only to be back on this pod, but just, just for NBA season generally. Like, I think I'm now, I've now pissed off everybody who I play fantasy basketball with because for the past like two weeks, I've just been texting like, when's the draft? When's it happening? When's it happening? And, this and is I'm now in the league, yeah. yeah. So there you go. I mean, it's quite, it's kind of a travesty that in some ways we didn't cut find a way to cut a pod this summer. Um, just mm-hmm. with what we were doing at Seeds of Peace, it wasn't really realistic. But the the amount of movement um, and just drama. Yes. I mean, LeBron going to the Lakers, the way it was unveiled was kind of low drama, which was amazing when you think about what happened there. But... The move itself was still such high drama, and I mean, I just have, I don't want to step on the Western Conference pod, but that team is, you could deliver 11 different takes on how that's going to go, mm-hmm. and probably none will be right. Um, but the Eastern Conference had its own blockbuster, Kawhi Leonard. Um, I think Paul George staying at Oklahoma City was kind of a blockbuster. Yeah. Like, why? Big I time. thought there was no chance um, he'd choose Russ in Oklahoma City over LeBron in LA, but... That was his choice, um, and those were the big highlights. Uh, you know, Mello to Houston by way of Atlanta. You know, whatever. Uh, we can talk about that in the Western podcast, and we'll get to Dwight Howard in this podcast. <laughs> any any yes. other uh, free yes. agent signings you want to highlight or team moves? I guess. Um, I don't know. I, th- I think like, like as Rosen. as each one comes up, it's worth talking about. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't have. There's nothing that's like on the top of my mind. Like oh my god, I've got to mention this before we even get to the teams. It's true. But I have I have takes for most free agent signings. Yeah. I have some DeRozan takes. They'll come up today. Um, They'll come up tomorrow or when we do the Western pod. Also, as it relates to Toronto. Okay. Um, but yeah, you're right. All right. So let's get into things. We're gonna do the Eastern Conference. We'll start with the teams that really just have no chance of mattering this year. Um, and I've got, I mean, the Hawks are going to be horrific. I've got the Hawks, Magic, Nets, Bulls, and Knicks in this category. Um, anyone you want added or subtracted? Nope. Uh, I think the Knicks are done. I've got nothing to say about them. I mean, Kevin Knox was really fun in Summer League, which was great. Um, Frankie Smokes were excited about. You know, he plays I, infectious defense, I yeah. would say. I, I think that the Knicks will be exciting next year once you have, like, Knox, Nicotina, Porzingis, and um, and then probably another high draft pick for them and some free aid and some cap space. You know, maybe KD, we'll see, we'll see. But, like, I, I basically don't really want to talk about the Knicks in 2018-2019. So their roster as it pertains to this year with Porzingis, I just checked his injury status. They said he's not yet cleared to sprint. Um, so he's going to be a while back yet. And yeah. if you don't have him, um, this strikes me as a very much rebuilding time for the team. That being said, I've been a Fizdale fan for a while. It was part of why I thought Memphis was going to be good last year, which was funny. Um, and 
you know, I think the idea of Fisdale getting, you know, a shooting big man, the first he's had a chance to work with since he was an assistant with Bosch in Miami. Um, and he was, you know, very hands-on, you know, not that Spolstra is not brilliant, but he was also a part of that thought process over there. So he's got a lot of experience working with the shooting fives. Um, and, you know, I'm just really excited to see what he does with this team. That being said, <laughs> the Knicks, like, somehow filled their entire cap sheet with guys who just aren't good. Mm-hmm. So, like... Unless Tom Thibodeau, you know, gets whiskey drunk one night and trades for Joakim Noah, that yeah. contract's still in the books for, I think, yeah. a couple years. Um, you got uh, Hardaway's getting paid like he's, you know... A, a big-time NBA An player. all-star runner-up. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, I mean, I think there's another big deal on there, too, but, when you know... Canner's making some money. Canner's on there for some money. It, it's really just a full team, so there's going to be fun young guys until Akina knocks, like you said, but, yeah, for this season, especially with Porzingis out, I can't see them making real moves. Yeah. Um, the Nets, I just have nothing to say about. Do you have anything on the Nets? Um, other than... Dinwiddle? <laughs> Spencer Dinwiddle? <laughs> Spencer Dinwiddie is just, like... That's so classic, like, comparison bias or whatever. Like, if there's literally no one on your team, you start getting excited about Spencer Dinwiddie. He's not an exciting player. Yeah, I mean, so what I'll say about about the Nets is I like Rondé Hollis-Jefferson a lot in theory. He seems to get hurt a lot in practice. Um, (laughs) Literally hurt in practice. That's a really bad, bad uh, way to be known. Yes. So he's he's something to consider. D'Angelo Russell I refuse to give up on. I still feel like he was one of the best pure passers that I've seen at the college level. And I think that that will translate to the NBA eventually. I also like Jared Allen, the center. I think he's from Texas. He was the draft pick that they got from the Lakers when they unloaded or when they took on the Mozgov money. Yeah. So people really like Jared Allen. He's he's a, sort of a bigger, slower, big so not exactly your new prototypical guy, but could be like a mid-teens and like 10 rebounds a night kind of guy. So a couple interesting pieces. Does he still have that nice-ass like 80s fro? Yes. I love that fro. Yeah, exactly. Um, highlight of the Nets team. I've been out on Russell for like six months, basically. And really like what it comes down to is I liked his talent as much as you did. I thought it was a great move for someone to give him another shot when he was on the Lakers. Yeah. But at the NBA level, unless you're incredible, you have to really put the work in to be good. And he just has shown no indication that he puts the work in. Yeah. He's one of those guys where like if people who like know GM start talking about him, they'll bring up casually that, you know, he has some fun out. Which is no problem if you then are like Draymond Green and go put the work in during the day. It doesn't seem like he does that either. No. Um, and, you know, I think there was some stat that, like, Zach Lowe talked about, a lot about because he's, like, one of the few people that actually is willing to watch the Nets. I am not. Where, like, Russell will pull, like, more mid-range long twos than, like, any player off the dribble or something. Like, there's yeah. some really sad stat about how he takes terrible shots. So I'm just out on him and on the team in general. Um, yeah, moving, they're, not move be, on? they're not going to be particularly interesting. So. The best thing for them, if you're a Nets fan, which there really aren't any, is that uh, they don't owe their picks to the Celtics anymore. So this year, if they suck, they get a good pick. Yeah, so that's good you know, bottom out. Good looks there. Um, the or, Hawks are supposed to be atrocious. Yes. You want to talk about them? 
I, I have very little to say about them. I, I don't think that any player on the team... I mean... Trey Young. I, I'm hopeful that Trey Young will, will become an interesting player. I'm worried about him shooting 30 shots a night for a shitty team. I, and also, people say that John Collins, their rookie from last year, is going to take a leap. I don't know if I particularly care. Um, I don't know that who's coaching there. Um, I would feel a lot better about the Trey Young experience if he was Lloyd getting Buttonholzer still, uh, who we'll get to later. But like, I would been I I was have been and am still higher on Trey Young than most people. Um, I think you have to put his performance in college in context. He went to an Oklahoma team that was like 9-22 and 22 the year before. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people are like, oh, you know, they lost those games. He's, but, I mean, you can put it the other way. He had them ranked like top 10 yeah. <laughs> just because he was hitting ridiculous shots and throwing ridiculous passes all game. And if you watched one of their games, like, to say other teams keyed in on him is a complete understatement. He had someone hanging on him pushing him, shoving him, taking fouls on him, and then someone else would come do that. Um, and did he handle it perfectly? No. But, like, you look at someone like Steph Curry, uh, who's the obvious comp, and he won't be as good as Curry is. That's not a fair comparison to put on someone. But Curry definitely struggled with guys hanging on him in college in his early pro years. It's a skill getting used to dealing with that. All that being said, if guys guard Trey Young with half as much attention in the pros as they did in college, he's a great pro player. Because anyone who draws that much attention mm-hmm. is valuable to everyone else on the court. Um, and I don't think you can provide that kind of attention at the pro level to someone, anyone. So I'm very bullish on him. I think he's a pure shooter. And, you know, worst case scenario, he's someone who hits threes over 40% when open. That's an NBA career. Sure. Um, but I'm really high on him. The Hawks are going to suck ass, but, you know, he'll be good, I think. Yeah, I'm I'm picking them to be bottom. I mean, they're they they're tanking. Yeah. Uh, Orlando, I I just want to say that I think that I I think I'm going to be bullish on Orlando next year. I really liked Mo Bamba. I actually really like Jonathan Isaac. I didn't think that I would, but I I followed his season a lot last year. Um, he he kept getting these ankle injuries, which really derailed him. But actually, when the when the magic was good at the beginning of the season. He was providing a lot of help on the glass and like as a rangy defender who could also um, be somewhat productive on offense. And of course, Aaron Gordon got hotter than hot. So I think that there's a real question to be had about whether Gordon can truly be a small forward all the time. However, in theory, if you could have Bamba, Isaac, Gordon as your starting three, that's the new NBA where you have, like, these really tall, really fast, really athletic guys at all of your front court positions, that's really something to build on. And I also think there's an interesting move to be made for the Magic in dealing Vooch. Um, like, I think that Vucevic, like... Vu- Vucevic. Vucevic. I think he really should be shipped out to a contender this year at the trade deadline, even if they get back just, like, a mid-round, first-round pick. Oh, or they would have sent him already if they got a first for it. You don't think you can get a first for Vooch? No. He averages like 18 and 10. Um, I, I think that he's like Brooke Lopez light, and I don't think Brooke Lopez gets a first round pick. Yeah. Well, maybe you got to get it. Maybe you got to go for a pair of seconds. But like, I mean, I, Vucevic for $5 million gets a first round pick. Vucevic for whatever he's making now. That's a good not point. Get a first. Yeah. Well, I would, I would sell him for 
whatever I could get to anyone at the at the deadline because he's just taking up space at the five. And I think that this season should really be like, you know, definitely like lead lead Bamba into it slowly. Let let you know Vooch really do his thing and and see if you can prop up that trade value, and then just pull the trigger and let it be uh, Bamba and Isaac's team and get another lottery pick. Um, I mean, it could work. They're a very high-ceiling team in that, so I just pulled the stats. Gordon shot, like, 34% from three last year. Mm-hmm. Um, same with uh, Jonathan Isaac, like, 35%. That's not horrific. That's also not good. Um, and a lot of those shots were very open, I would say, although Gordon took a bunch more games, so those were a little more contested. But, um, you know, with those two guys... So much of their ability to be important players in the NBA is going to hinge on that. Like, when they have the ball, they can do whatever they're going to do on the ball. They can do whatever they do defensively. Um, Especially for Isaac, who offers little other offensive value than perhaps shooting a three. If that three never comes, then he's Kid Gilchrist at best. Which is like a low ceiling for someone you took the fifth or sixth overall pick. I don't don't love that comp because he's actually pretty tall. Like, I think he's... um... Yeah, he's like 6'10", 6'11". Yeah. But, And I he mean, can fly out there. Like, he's he was... Good Gilchrist is a great defender. But if you can't play offense, and teams don't have to guard you at the three-point line, you can't dribble, pass, or shoot, you're going to kill your entire team's offense. Yeah. And you can only guard one player. It's like Tony Allen. Once people started doing to Tony Allen what they do to Tony Allen, he loses yeah. all value. Uh, so I'm worried about him for that reason, but... Conversely, if he starts hitting thirty eight percent, he becomes an incredible asset. So you you never really know what that shit. Bamba, I hated coming out of the draft. I, really, I, he like I have no evidence he'll ever be able to shoot a basketball well. He has. I think he has really silky touch. He like some of those Texas games. I mean, it was kind of sad that he never got to be on full display. Like I, I just feel like Texas for whatever reason like did not click. But like. I think he's got excellent touch for a big man. And, you know, his first, and this, I don't know if this counts for anything, but his first preseason game, he came out and splashed two trays, and it looked nice. But I don't know, we'll maybe, see. he's he's one of those guys who you, you really have a tough time separating, like, what you see on YouTube versus what you see. I mean, I just, I have no thoughts. Like, he could learn how to shoot and be a really valuable guy. He also doesn't really understand defense yet, which makes me also low on him. He's just long. That's really all he's bringing. He's incredibly long. But you basically just drafted a pair of arms, right? Gonna, and there's a chance him. he learns how to shoot. There's a chance he learns how to play defense. There's a huge chance he doesn't. I'm very bullish on Mo Bamba. Okay. And as a, cool. as a matter of fact, I would say this, this take might come back to bite me in the ass. But I would say that Mo Bamba has a better career than Trey Young. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think Trey Young is an incredibly high floor, but whatever. Um, cool. It's all about the ceiling, baby. I don't want to spend too much time on these bad yeah, teams. Yeah, exactly. Let's move. Uh, last bad team is the Bulls. Our bad team. <laughs> Our bad team. Um, Markkinen getting hurt in practice almost sets me on another Fred Hoiberg rant. Uh, what the fuck is going on at their practices? Yeah, I have no Cause idea. Because last year to practice, it was so physical that fucking Portis and Miritich got in a fight and Miritich got his jaw broken. Yeah. And Lori Markkinen has a sprained shooting elbow. That does not happen unless you get hit or thrown down. I'm sorry. There's no situation 
in a practice where you get hurt like that unless someone hits you while you're going up dirty or throws you onto the ground. I literally can't think of a way that happens. It's a lot a lot of questions. <laughs> like the last time I saw a sprained elbow injury, it was Rondo uh, in the playoffs that Wade did and Wade like threw him on the ground and Rondo's elbow like bent in. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm just, there's no details on it obviously, but I'm livid. Um, yeah. So this, this Bulls team. Okay. I'm, I'm assuming it's Fred Hoiberg's fault until yeah. proven otherwise. Let's, That's where I'm at with him. I'm going to start by saying some nice things because last year we were super negative on the Bulls there's a bazillion reasons to be super negative about the Bulls all the time. I'm going to say some nice things first. I talked myself into Laurie Markkinen very quickly last year. I'm glad I did. I really like him. I think being a seven-foot guy who's fucking filthy wet from three and just shooting the ball anywhere is awesome. And I've talked myself into Wendell Carter. Like, watching him in Summer League, like, he can really move. He's got decent touch, decent handle. He can pass really well. Like, he looks like a veteran NBA player, or at least like a competent veteran NBA player, and he's like 20. So, I mean, you and I both watched him at Duke, and he didn't really stand out much at all. And I think that part of that is when you play with like five all-stars in college, weird shit can happen. And when you play with, you know, another low post guy and no ball movement because Grayson Allen's on the team. Exactly. So, like, I, I'm going to throw out a lot of my thoughts on Wendell from Duke and just focus on what I saw at Summer League. I think, he's, I think he's got a really high ceiling, and I'm excited about him. So that's two nice things about the Bulls. With a second, like, 2.5 being that I think that Levine actually could be good, or at least good enough, just given the time horizon of the team. So if you're thinking, like, Markinen and... Um, like Markin and Wendell will be like 24, 25, like theoretically when they would be making all-star teams in five years, Levine will be off the books and hopefully we'll have another high pick there as well. So if all comes as it should, then Levine's money actually shouldn't make a difference to our potential window into being a good team. So I don't particularly care about the deal and I think he could be, a high ceiling player for us. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to match that if you're the Bulls because who else are they going to pay? Like, they exactly. literally, they're already below the floor. Yeah. Like, this is what I was saying to people, like, why not, you know, take that chance? Maybe he's good. Yeah. Um, I will say I was totally wrong about marketing. He's awesome. It was a great pick by the Bulls. However, this is the fourth straight draft pick we've taken in the first round that um, is a power forward with Wendell Carter. We've, we took Miritich, then Portis, then Markin, and then Wendell. I don't think any of those guys are small forwards. I don't think any of them can play center unless you're going up against someone like Draymond or, um, you know, Kuzma on the Lakers, like a power forward who's playing center. So that's where I'm at with Wendell. I didn't like him as a prospect because as at that pick because as good as I think he's going to be offensively, um, he's going to be amazing offensively because I don't think he can guard the paint, or like protect the rim, or guard on the perimeter. Uh, I don't think he'll ever have either of those skills in the NBA. That's why I didn't love him coming out of the draft. I admit his offensive uh, package is very interesting. And from what we've seen of him, great. Like, let's, let's roll it. Gar and Pax, as much as I'll criticize them, 
have a track record of drafting very well. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, fine. Let's roll with them. I it, My problem with them is that they <laughs> they just pick assets. They don't think about a team. We have our last four draft picks are power forwards. Our guards suck. Like, I, I don't like any of our guards. None of our guards are, like, should start on a good team. Um, I've long liked Valentine, perhaps more than I should, and I this is a make-or-break year for him. Uh, he's got to put up some numbers, or he's going to be, yeah. like, a 12th man somewhere. Yeah, it's a big make-or-break year for Chris Dunn, I think. Yeah. Like, I mean, if, like, if that dude can't score, like, if he can't, if he can't sniff 20 points every now and again and dish out a couple... Uh, a couple assists he should be packing his bags and, and playing backup point guard for you know well i guess we are at the bottom of the league but he should be a backup at the bottom of the league if he can't if he can't score some points for us and he may well be this year one <laughs> quick yeah one quick note on wendell i will just say for measurables he's 6'10 and has a 7'5 wingspan so mm-hmm. like um this is one of the things that really stood out in Vegas. He had one game where he had like six blocks in one game. And I mean, blocks aren't indicative of being a rim protector. And I think you're right. Like he has not shown that he can do that yet. I think he, he has the potential to play center in the league. I don't think he has to be a power forward. So I think the real question is, can Wendell play the kind of five that could let Markinen play an effective four? Slash, like, can they play together without one of them getting run off the court by a fast stretch four? And that's TBD. So so we're playing one of the top three teams in the conference. So I think that's going to be Philly, Toronto, um, and Boston. Mm-hmm. Uh, can Wendell Carter guard Al Horford in the post? Can he guard Embiid in the post? Can he guard uh, Jakob Pertle or Valanciunas in the post? Pertle's on the Spurs. Or Pertle left. Okay, cool. Can he guard Valanciunas in the post? Right now, the answer is no, but he's a rookie. Yeah. The better question is, will he ever be able to? I don't think he'll ever be able to guard and be in the post. Maybe that's just a guy who's the rare seven foot two guy no one can guard in the post, and you just have someone on your roster who deals with them in case you get stuck in that spot. Yeah. Um, like an Aaron Baines kind of guy. Exactly. Um, so, like, you know, whatever. He's going to be an outlier for the way the NBA is going. Can he guard Al Horford in the post? That's the most important yes. question to him being a serviceable center. Nothing I've seen has shown to me he could guard an Al Horford type in the post. I'm going to I'm gonna go with yes for now. He's smart. I don't know if he works hard yet. It's possible. The wingspan's nice. It's possible. Yeah. I'm, I, I've never seen anything in his college play that suggests he could guard a guy like that in the post. Well, that's a reason to watch the Bulls. But whatever. Okay. Yeah, they're interesting at least this year, which is fun. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to the race for the eight, seven, eight spots. Maybe six spot um, in the East. So I think the next chunk of teams, you'd want to include the Hornets, the Pistons, the Heat, the Cavaliers, and I'm going to put the Wizards in there because I agree. every year people and they themselves think they're going to be great, and they're just not. I agree 100%. Um, so let's put those, whatever, five teams in there. Yeah. Um, so that's Hornets, Pistons, Wizards, Heat, and Cavaliers. Yes. So that leaves three spots that those teams are chasing for. Correct. Which of those three do you think get in? Um, gosh. I'm going to say Wizards, although I don't love it. I'm not uh, not thrilled about it. 
I'm going to say Wizards. Mm, Hornets. And then Cavs or Pistons. I'm. It's, it's kind of a coin toss for me. And I think it's going to land on the Pistons. And you have, so you have Hornets. So it's, it's, it would be Wizards at the six. Um, Hornets, seven. Hornets, seven. Cavs, Pistons is a toss-up. Yeah. So that would leave the Heat at ten. Leave the Heat out. Interesting. Yeah. Does I that... think, it, I mean, it totally changes if Jimmy Butler comes. Interesting. But I just, so like with the Heat, and I know that they, they somehow got the sixth seed with, with this exact same roster, so this, this, this prediction will probably come back to bite me in the ass because for some reason, like Josh Richardson, Goran Dragic, like, like for some reason that team is okay when I think by all means they should be really shitty. So I don't know. Should we start by talking about them? Um, the Heat? I'm going to say the three that I think are going to get in. Okay. Um, and that for me is I'm going to have the Wizards in. I'm going to have the Heat in, and I'm going to have, God, those last three teams I don't love. Um, I'm going to have, ew, I'll go Hornets. <laughs> <laughs> we don't feel good about it. No, that. I'll go Pistons. I'll go Pistons. Um, so I have the Hornets and Cavs out. I'll start with the Cavs. Okay. I have them 10th. So... Yes, we're all very excited for Minnesota Kevin Love to come back. Also, did Minnesota Kevin Love make the playoffs? No, right? Never. Um, and you could argue his supporting cast was better than, and you could argue that, um, even though the West was harder, you could argue his supporting cast was better than, and that he was a better player than. Yeah. Um, more, it's like you look at that team, and it's like kind of decrepit role guys who were built to surround LeBron. Now, the upside of it being Kevin Love is that Weirdly, those two occupy the same space. The same space, and you can like also run the offense through Love. It would be a lot more post ups, mm-hmm. but um, you know, post ups around shooters—that's kind of what they were doing with LeBron. So it makes sense. Yeah. Um, that being said, like this is a team that has kind of no excitement or identity behind it, and unless Kevin Love goes bonkers, they're not going to be good. Um, and you just got a very creaky set of people around LeBron, and this is what happens when you just sign 35-year-olds who can shoot and trade away your draft picks, is yeah. you get this roster. Um, so what is their opening starting five going to be, opening night? It's like Sexton, I, Love... I think, I think he's got to come off the bench at first. I think it's I think it's got to be George Hill, J.R. Hill, J.R., Love, Thompson. And then probably Corver. Yeah, see, like... Maybe you talk yourself into Rodney Hood. Maybe you talk yourself into, um... I mean, Hood will get looks. C.D. Osman's gonna get some looks. Chad I. Osman, yeah. Yeah. So, like... I mean, I guess my issue with this roster, more so than the roster, is who's organizing it. I've long been a Ty Lue hater. I think he's a very bad coach. I'm definitely team Ty Lue sucks. Um, and, you know, we'll see what Ty Lue does with this team. I'm not excited about it. Yeah. Yeah. I the the only thing that would that would make me vaguely interested to keep them in the in the playoffs is that you do have a lot of experience there, like a lot of guys who um who have like been to the finals enough that like they should be able to get it done in theory. 
But like you said, they're uninspiring role players for the most part. They've also been to four straight finals. Yeah, so they're tired. So they're like old and tired. Yeah. (laughs) Not a good comment. Um, I'm interested in seeing what Sam Decker can bring to the table. I see this being Colin Sexton's team kind of earlier than than we think. Yeah, I think he takes over soon. And, you know, he's an exciting prospect, but anytime you have a point guard who can't shoot that you're running the team through, you're not going to win games. Um, this strikes me as a rebuilding year, um, and you know I wouldn't be surprised if Kevin Love floats to another team during the year. That'd be an interesting move if they if they push the full reset button. They do the uh, Blake Griffin move to him. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it, well, it couldn't be the full Blake Griffin because he resigned. What was it like last three year? months before they traded him? Well, that was Blake Griffin, but like Kevin Love resigned. Like a year and a half ago. Okay, so it's not quite not the full full Blake Griffin. Not a full Blake. Yeah. Um. So I have them out. You had them out as well, right? Yes. Yes, Okay. We agree on that. You have the Heat out. I have the Heat in. Probably. Let's talk Heat. I think that's mixing it up in those spots. That's the prediction that I think is is the one that's going to come back and get me the most. Um. So why'd you make it? Why'd I make it? Because I really just don't like anyone on this team. Like. I mean, you've got D-Wade coming back for, you know, his swan song, but I hate Whiteside. I, for a little while, I kind of was on Waiter's Island for a minute. Um, then Did you see the, the meme making its way around Media Day? <laughs> the, the really fat picture of him? Yeah, where it's Dion, <laughs> I've talked to too many waiters, waiters. Yeah, it's network. That shit's so funny. That was great. Yeah, he's got like, there's like pictures going around the internet of, Deion Waiters, and, like, someone's taken, like, a red marker and, like, highlighted the bit of, like, moob fat that he has that, like, with, like, the basketball jersey, you see a lot more, like, upper chest than you would with a normal shirt, and there's, like, some nice, like, overhang going there. It's it's wild. So, are you arguing that the East is going to be... So, they've made the playoffs two straight years of this team, basically. Yeah. Do you think this team's going to be worse, or do you think the East is better around them? I think that the this mid-level East is a little bit better, and they, I'm going to say, are the same. Okay. Um, I mean, the thing is, is that they are competently coached. They're competently... They're cons- very competently coached. Yeah, they're, we should, I should amend that. I should say they're fucking well-coached. And they're well-constructed. They're a roster that, like, is filled with pieces that make sense together. So, like, that counts for a lot when you've got a coach and, and, like, GM that are actually doing shit. Now, like, it's just when I look at this, when I look at this, you know, group of people, like, sure, Drogic is fine. And I actually really respect James Johnson, but he got a sports hernia this this offseason. So, like, who knows, you know, when he'll be back and if he'll be okay and all that stuff. So, like... There's there's players on this team who like I kind of like in theory, but also like you've got Tyler Johnson, like Justice Winslow has yet to show us anything, um, and like they're gonna they're gonna be playing D Wade's corpse a lot. Like it's just like I don't, yeah, I I, I, I think... know that they're that they're gonna be better than I think they are. It's just hard for me to look at this roster and say like, oh yeah, that's a team that that should get the six seed. So. I'm more bullish on them, I, I think... Which I understand. I think the, the the infrastructure is there. So, I'm very high on Bam Adebayo. 
I think yes. he's an excellent center for where the NBA is going. He's going to be able to jump over most people who play center, and he's quick on his feet. Um, there are two monkey wrenchers on this team, Dwayne Wade and Hassan Whiteside. Wade, I love the idea of Wade in a playoff game like he did against the Sixers, you know, coming off a bench, hitting like 9 of 11 shots, <laughs> and just like dropping his nuts on the floor and being like, I'm Dwayne Wade, fuck off. Mm-hmm. Because he has that gravitas. At the same time, he's like 35 and pretty washed. So, especially in the regular season, especially in the regular season, I'm worried about him being a liability and not accepting his role. Yeah. Because um, he can't shoot and won't play defense, which is always a problem. Um, I am very interested to see how he handles the situation. There's a lot of guys around him that do play very hard and play defense. So we'll see. Um, and yeah, if he's that... been training with the Heat in the offseason, I don't know if it's PEDs or better training or some combination of the two, but <laughs> that team is ripped every year, except yeah. for waiters, apparently. Um, <laughs> Seen too many waiters, Dion waiters. But Whiteside, to me, is honestly the bigger problem. That guy is so weird and did not take being pulled well at all. Um, luckily, Pat Riley kind of won't take his shit. Yeah. And... You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's, like, sold for a second-round pick or just straight-up told to leave the team at some <laughs> point. Um, but unless those two really fuck it up, I think this team, as constructed, has a great chance to get a 6-7 seed. Yeah. Um, just with the way they play. You know, Richardson, very underrated two-way player. Um, Justice Winslow can only get better. Wayne Ellington rips shots. Um, Goran Dragic, very solid player. Tyler Johnson, two-way player. Josh um, Richardson is good. He's he's low-key good. He's very good. Uh, you know, and then, of course, if they get Jimmy Butler, um, like, the idea of Butler and Wade on the same team again is hilarious. Oh, after yeah. last time. <laughs> um, and hopefully they don't have to give up. Like, if they give up Dragic for him, I don't know who plays point guard on this team. But Probably Richardson. But, you know, assuming there's no Butler trade to this team. I, I think they walk into the playoffs. Um, so who do you, who do I have out? I guess we we should go to next. I think um, you had Hornets out. I had Hornets out. Yes, I had Heat, Wizards, and uh, Pistons making it. Yeah. Um, let's talk Hornets. Okay. So they got rid of their old coach um, Clifford because of health concerns and low performance and yep. they signed Tony Parker and they're basically bringing back this team of like Kemba Walker and a ton of 6'8 dudes who can shoot except for Kid Gilchrist who's just 6'8 yeah so so first of all I think that their biggest addition was their coach uh Borrego who's a who's a Spurs guy and I think that just, just having a little more competence in terms of like creating an offense that actually is cohesive should should do a lot for this team. I think I think that the argument like the best case scenario which is what I'll sort of argue for the Hornets is that like I think that Malik Monk well let's not even start with him. Let's start with the fact that they have a true proven all-star like excellent point guard in Kemba Walker who's going to get, you know, a, like 20 or more every night and will play excellent all-star quality basketball. So like that like having an all-star like that is not something that um the Heat or 
the Cavs. Well, I guess you could say Kevin Love, but, you know, whatever. The Heat don't have an all-star. So just in, in looking at that, that gives me a little bit of, of confidence. But, I mean, is, is Walker better than Dragic? Yes. Dramatically. Oh, my God, no. I think he's way better. Dragic he's is so, a better defender. But They're Kemba comparable is so, shooting. But he, like, Kemba is such a dynamic, like, he's a dynamic offensive player. Like he can he can really attack the paint. He can um, you know I think he's a much better I think he's a much better three point shooter. Uh, I mean you can pull the stats. He's just not. He might be a percentage or two point better. That's at most. Kemba like barely learned how to shoot threes last year. He somehow Um, seemed like he pocketed a bazillion of them. Well, he gets a bazillion of them. Uh, So my issue with the Hornets, I mean, if you look at that roster, there's a lot of like. The, the kind of big switchable defender guys that you want to see on smart rosters and that smart rosters acquire. You look what the Rockets did just surrounding Harden Yeah, he was Paul. sniffing 40. He was 38.4. He was 38. What was Dragic, like let's 37? See, let's see Dragic. Um, Keep going. So you, you, put that, you put that with a coach who's more willing to go yeah. spread. Dragic is 33. Oh, wow, you're right. Really, thirty three. Yeah, gross. I know. Drogic is like he's dece. He's right. he's dece. But Kemba, I'm positive about this. In his previous years, did not hit close to thirty nine. Uh, let's see his. And also, I think Drogic has shot threes better than thirty three before in his life. For his so his career, Kemba's career is thirty five point eight. Yeah. So with a thirty eight in there, that's got to be like a lot of thirty fours. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, so he's a better three-point shooter. <laughs> all, all I'm saying is Kemba Walker, all-star, excellent player. I think that, that that to me is a good core to build around. And I'm sorry, I'm, I'm cutting you off. I just, no, I, you're good. I want to kind of paint the, paint the picture here. So, like, you've got a lot of guys who should be NBA players, like Jeremy Lamb and Nick Batum. I think that both of those guys, be, especially Batum because of his shitty contract, like, come across as, like, wastes of space. No, they have a lot of big guys who can switch across positions. Yes. And I think that they actually have some bigs that make sense. Like, I think Kaminsky is better than people give him credit for. And Zeller is always injured. But that's why you have uh, Bismack Biombo, who actually, I think, could competently do some center for you for a while if Kaminsky goes down, too. I mean, if you put Biombo with, like, four three-point shooters, he can be good. He just makes no sense next to anyone who can't shoot. Yes, but thankfully most of this roster can shoot, minus Michael K. Gilchrist. So, And then, have we talked about Tony Parker at all with this team? No, but I think that that's, they have a very interesting uh, bench group, which is going to be Tony Parker and Malik Monk, both of whom I think, I think Malik is going to take a big step up, and I think Tony is going to be the competent, steady hand that doesn't let this team go to fucking hell when Kemba steps off this court. So, like... I think that when you look at the the Hornets from last year, I think that one of the first things that has to step up that you got to notice is like who played point for them when Kemba sat down, and the answer is basically nobody. Like they were so shitty when he was off the floor that having somebody who's competent taking that space I think is huge. And then like they they just have a lot of pieces that I like. People are really high on Miles Bridges. He was excellent in in the summer and looks excellent in the preseason. I think, um, you know, I'm just saying, like, if if some of these pieces break the right way for them, like, better offense, competent coaching, competent bench play, and, you know, uh, like, 
hopefully some some uh, like an injection of energy from from either Monk or Bridges. I think this team could improve dramatically, especially in the East. So I mean, you may be able to talk me to them over the Pistons, um, but them compared to the Heat, like the Heat just have such a gusto. Like you watch the Heat play. And they take shit personally. Like, when they get scored on, they're offended. When you're stopping, they're offended. The Hornets don't expect to be good. Like, Kemba does. And Kemba carries himself like a champ because he is one. But, like, Batum is just excited to get his paycheck. Kid Gilchrist plays really hard but has two left hands. And then Marvin Williams is, like, what, 34? Yeah. He was in Chris Paul's draft. He's old as fuck. He's very old. And I've never loved how these pieces fit together. Um... From like a do people know what their role is point of view, we'll see. It's gonna really take a great coaching job, in my opinion, to put this through. Um, I can see how a either having Kemba or Parker breaking down the defense and spreading it with shooters lineup works in the modern NBA. Um, but Batum, if he can shoot well again, Williams, if he can shoot well again, are the two proven knockdown shooters on this team. Mm-hmm. And if you play Monk, he's a defensive liability. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot hinges on what are you going to get from Monk. Like, is he is he going to um, take a take a step forward in his second year and become a more competent NBA player, or not? And if he's and if he's not going to give you enough on offense and just enough on defense to make him playable, then I think that that's a huge shot in the foot to this team. I also wouldn't be surprised if they're like 20 and 34 and a Hernan Gomez, Monk, Bacon, you know, uh, Miles Bridges quartet starts getting big minutes for development. Yeah. Because, no, I mean, like, the, the thing with the predicting who's going to get the eighth critical. seed is that people don't want the eighth seed. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. If you don't think you have a real shot to make a run and get your guys some valuable experience, yeah. Like, you just get the young guys minutes and get a better pick. But I think that the the real the real trick with this Hornets team is that like right now Kemba Walker is the sixth highest paid player on the team. He's due. And if they have a hope in hell of convincing him to come back, they need to start playing better. Fair. Alright. Um the Pistons I wanna say something brief about. Yeah. I d- they're they're a big like shrug. For um, like, I don't know what the fuck. They look really weird. It was also a midseason trade, which is always weird. Um, you know, Reggie Jackson and Drummond and Blake Griffin are a weird trio of personalities to be your three highest paid players. Yeah. Um, and I've never liked really much of the supporting cast except for Bullock, who looked really good last year, um, for a while at least. I you know we'll see. The only reason I put them in over the Hornets is that Blake Griffin's A game is way 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 better than Kemba Walker's A game, and Blake Griffin signs this huge deal. Guy with a lot of personal pride has a weird year last year with like the getting traded and being on this weird team, breaking his hand from punching a guy in the face. <laughs> <Yeah>. I <laughs> fuck. I you know he's not done yet. He's going to, with his injury history, he's going to be done earlier than we want him to be. He's not done yet. And he's going to be offended by some of the people who guard him in this conference. Like, they go up against the Hornets. Marvin Williams is guarding him. Like, really? Yeah. Kaminsky. Cody Zeller. Like, 
who is guarding him? And the thing about playing with Drummond is if you switch and put your center on Blake Griffin, Drummond's going to get every rebound. So, like, your biggest guy has to guard Drummond. And then you've got Blake Griffin working with someone who's undersized or someone who's not good. Yeah. Um, So the Pistons have some stuff to work with. I have nothing to say about them. Cool. Let's move on then. Um, We both had the... Wizards. Wizards in and the... Well, that's the last team in that tier for us. So because we've talked Heat, we've talked Pistons, Hornets. We've t- it's it's now uh, it's now time for the Wizards. All right, and we already talked Cavs. Cool. Oh, we already talked Cavs. Yeah. Um, Wizards. I have in. We need to talk about the Dwight Howard signing because oh good god. Oh my god. And the Austin Rivers trade. Um, I like, just want to say that that team had really shaky chemistry before, and I don't know <laughs> if it was John Wall. Or if it was John Wall, or if it was John Wall, but that team had shaky chemistry, and um, adding in Austin Rivers, who thinks he's like a top five player in the league, um, and has only succeeded on a team where his dad was the coach, and then adding in uh, Dwight Howard, whose last four teams like, like were thrilled to get rid of him. Like not only did they get rid of him immediately, they were like ecstatic. Someone took him. Um, and you've got was uh, amazing. such paragons of like of mental fortitude and calm locker room presence as Markeith Morris and Kelly Oubre. And like, well, so first of all, I'll say on Kelly Oubre, I fucking love that guy. I think he's awesome. And I think he's going to get better and be better. He's awesome at what? Well, I think he's he's a developing like three and D guy. Like I think who has athleticism. I like his quickness and the fact that he's six eight. His shooting comes and goes. Yeah, I don't really know what else he does. His defense is, nah. yeah. I think that I think that trading in Mar. Uh, I think that trading in Gortat was good. Like he was pretty useless. And I will. <laughs> I don't want to defend the Dwight Howard signing. I'll just say about it that when you're paying three guys what they're paying, Wall, P- Wall, Beal, and Porter, um, and you have to sign someone new as a free agent. You can't pay more than the six... What's the mid-level? I don't know, seven? They they gave him 5.3. So they gave him 5.3. So, like, that was about what they had to give someone, right? Yeah. And Dwight Howard, if you, like, forget about the fact that all of his previous teams hated him for reasons that are all congruent across the stops, you know, good talent for that amount of money. Um, and they would have more money to spend on that position if they weren't paying Mahinmi $18 million a year, which yeah. is amazing. Unconscionable. Um, well, they're also now paying Austin, Riven, Austin Rivers $12.6. Oh, good lord. Um, I just, I, I, there is no way this goes well. Like, <laughs> sometimes you get, like, a weird mix of personalities, and you're like, well, like, I, I just, there's no way this goes well. Um... I do think this is one of the things in coaching Sky Brooks is good at is, you know, keeping a locker room, but I, John Wall, there's just no way. Yeah. I mean, how does this work? I don't know. People tell stories about Dwight Howard's previous teams, like, guys on the team, like, cheering when they heard he was traded. Like, yeah. people hate him. Yeah. And people don't like Wall. Yeah. And people don't like Rivers. <laughs> Who the fuck? Like, Beal needs, like... Beal's going to go home and, like, rip a pack of cigs every yeah. night. Like, he's going to be miserable. <laughs> I kind of oh, wonder God. if, like, if, Poor like, guy. Rivers, Howard, and Wall will, like, form a clique. 
That would be amazing. That's actually the best case scenario. Is they just yeah. all go fuck around with each other and don't bother other people. Yeah, exactly. Although kind of a sh- kind of shitty for team chemistry. Like, wow. <laughs> There's just like no way. Like, Wall and Rivers are gonna get in a fight at some point, and Howard's gonna try and give everyone like a speech about learning and his lessons as a veteran, and everyone's gonna tune him out because he doesn't try on defense and it's just a shitty guy yeah. out in the locker room. It's gonna be amazing. They really might miss the playoffs. Yeah. Oh, it's it's <laughs> um, it's in play. I'm sorry, it's in play. Oh yeah, they could they could totally combust. So did you hear the did you hear the Dwight Howard quote that everybody has ripped him to shreds for? No, what? Talking about his like some reporter asked him like about all the teams that he's been on, and this was his response, and you know that he fucking memorized this shit. I learned magic for eight years, traveled to La La Land, learned how to work with the Rockets, how to fly with the Hawks. Got stung by the hornets, and through it all, it's taught me how to be a wizard. He's just such a fuck. He's like, the worst. He is so bad. He's like, like, like you can't make this shit up. Everyone like, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's not good. Anyway, wow, um, they're oh a train God. wreck. Let's let's leave them. I I. I, I honestly hope they do miss the playoffs. I see them starting 11-7, and seven, talking a bunch of smack to the Celtics, Rapper, Raptors, and Sixers, finishing like 43-39 and 39 again and going out in the first round in five games. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I gotta say, like... I mean, what else is new? That's what they're yeah. gonna do. So, yeah. I will say, like, I, I watched a lot more Wizards than I wanted to last year because I stupidly, stupidly, stupidly invested heavily in Wall and Beal on my fantasy team. No. And, like, it well, it, it was awful. I mean, do it again. We're in the same league now. Yeah, seriously. But, like, what, what I learned from that is that down the stretch in a game, like, John Wall, for whatever reason, even though he's not particularly good at shooting, can get some buckets. And Beal, for whatever reason, at the end of the game, seems like he shrinks. Well, it's good for your fantasy team, but John Wall just takes all the shots at the end of games. Yes. And they're all long twos. Yes, it's bad. So, like, but, but my point is, my point is, is that Beal has yet to sort of, like, step up and prove his mettle as a superstar. Like, he's the kind of guy who will very easily and comfortably get 22 points against a mid-level team uh, guarding a nobody. But, like, he's, like, when they had that big series against the Celtics, like... He just he just did not do that much. He did not do enough to to make me really excited about him as a superstar player who can go deep in the playoffs. All right, um, let's move on yeah, to let's. so two teams that we're confident are going to make the playoffs, but I don't think like they're not one of the three like likely choices to win the East. Yes, um, and I'm not talking about regular season seating. I'm talking about like winning the East, winning the East. Um, and that's the Pacers and Bucks. Um, who do you want to go first? Well, who do you think is better? The Bucks, I think, are way better. Um, I the Pacers, I think, there's a world where they don't make the playoffs in theory. Oh, impossible! And I think they're likely a, a five six seed. So, I I feel like it's really hard to forecast. Um, I feel like it's really hard to forecast the Bucks. Like I think that that's uh, wait. Are we talking about the Bucks first? We could. We could talk about either. Evie, what's up? You want to make your Cavs take? Yeah, sure. <laughs> All right, we're, we're taking a brief break for Evie to make her Cavs take. Evie, what's your Cavs take? Um, my Cavs take is that 
without LeBron, I feel like they're going to be much worse because as you can see, as you saw in the 2018 NBA Finals, LeBron was literally stringing the team along. Like, yeah. I don't know, but also something... I think the whole outlook of this podcast is to give like a like a bit of a um, what's it called an like an outlook on the 2018-2019 NBA season overall. A preview. Uh, yeah, a preview. Got it. And <laughs> I'm not finished. And something that you should expect is some very high quality blows. <sighs> From what does that mean? Like. I'm going to cut this part unless you explain what blows means. Blows as in, like, when Lance Stevenson blows in LeBron's Uh, ear. And it's just like the... And I feel like you're definitely going to get that in pre-game hype this season. Adios, podcast. Thank you, Evie. (laughs) All right. Um, So, thinking about... Let's talk about the Pacers first. Okay. Um... So last year, they're, you know, whatever, surprise story of the league. And yes, the role players played well. Yes, I like what McMillan did with them taking, you know, kind of quick shots that were good. But we're kidding ourselves if we think that the reason they went seven games against the Cavs and were so good is anything other than Oladipo being great. Not just good, like great. Like the level he brought on offense and the level he brought on defense – um, you really, really don't see from guys mm-hmm. often. And, you know, like, for example, I would say that that Oladipo season is better than anything Jimmy Butler's done. Sure. I would say that that Oladipo season was better than, um, I mean, I don't want to keep doing that, but my point is Oladipo's going to have to do that again for them to be near that good. And to put together a campaign like that, is tough, and I'm interested to see if he can do it. And I think he'll be basically as good, at least. I don't see him getting worse. Yeah, I think he could even keep progressing. But, like, how good does he have to be to get this team up to a top three spot? You know what I mean? Like, where else can he go? Yeah. Well, so the the question wouldn't then be about Oladipo. It would be about the people around him. But, like, what am I getting from them? Isn't Darren Collison still their point guard? So... Yes, you've got uh, you've got Darren Collison, Aaron Holiday. They draft out of UCLA. People like him, but yeah, he's not. It's, needle. it's not his. It's not his year. I think that the what's going to be interesting is the development of Turner and Sabonis, along with what Tyreek Evans can bring to the table. So last year they got a lot of minutes from uh, Bojan Bogdanovic and Thad Young, and Bogdanovic reigns. Yeah, and I think he's actually great, and I think he'll he'll be a lot for this team. But so, like, I think that Tyreek Evans is, like, like, adding another guy who can get buckets for this team is huge. Because besides, like, Oladipo and Bogdanovich, there really weren't a lot of people who were, you know, really getting their own shot. And I think Miles Turner lost a lot of the season. He got a concussion or something and was down forever, and... He was a guy who we were expecting to be like a 20 and 10 guy. We were expecting the Pacers to be all about Miles Turner, and it became all about Oladipo. So I think that in a world where Miles Turner can find all star form, which I don't think is, is impossible, I think Miles Turner could be an all star this year. I um, 
Well, I see him as having a much lower ceiling than you do, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's uh, I just like Oladipo is really the only person I feel great about creating shots for others, and if the ball is in Tyreek Evans' hands, as fine as Tyreek played last year, that's just less ball for Oladipo. Yeah, but I don't. I don't think that he needs to have like this crazy usage stuff. Like, I, I mean, think if you could sell me on a big defensive improvement, because um, I don't know, they get another year with McMillan and they play better defense. Like, eh, I don't know. I mean, it's possible. I just don't. I've I have no reason to believe they'll be better than last year, and I think the Raptors, Celtics, and Sixers will all be better than last year. And well, they were worse than them last year. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think that they're going to be better than any of those teams, okay. and I don't even think they're going to be better than the Bucks necessarily. So then, why are we talking about? I mean, they're a five or four seed. But I think that, like, I'm, I'm just saying that I think people are, are, are not giving them enough credit. Like, I think that saying, oh yeah, they're pen, they're going to be the five seed and get eliminated by, or the four or five seed, whatever, they'll get eliminated early. Like, I think that they could push any of these, any of the top teams. And in some world, they might beat him. All right. Um, let's talk Bucks because I think they actually have a chance to knock off one of the top three teams and take their spot and win a series against them. Sure. Well, the, the Bucks are interesting because I think that they're going to be the hardest team to forecast. Um, exactly. They have, they have a big variety in what they can do. Um, so I can't stress enough how bad Jason Kidd was as an in-game coach. Yes. And... It depends what you think about Budenholzer. What I'll say is that good. he took kind of a weird group of guys to 60 wins with the Hawks. And they had a down year the next year, but were still solid. And from that point on, the team was gutted. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to judge him on how well he plays with whatever the Hawks are going to vomit out this year. Because that's what he had before. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he's getting on this Bucks team a transcendent talent that creates matchup problems for every roster in the league in Giannis. Yes. And he's going to have a lot of freedom to build around that because it's not like there was any great scheme in place that they have to work with. Um, and if you look at... I don't want to compare them to the Warriors because there's not the same collection of talent. There's not the same advantage there. But if you look at the formula for a team to take a big leap from good to great, mm-hmm. a lot of it can be... Coaching change. Huge coaching change. Yeah. You look at the Rockets. This is actually probably a better corollary. They're working with just Harden in that um, whatever system. Who was the guy who took over for McHale? Who was the guy who took over for McHale? Yeah, so they had McHale and they had, no, there was some interim guy. Bickerstaff or something, whatever. Bickerstaff. Yeah. D'Antoni comes in, he institutes an offense that's simple but very smart in the fact that it leveraged Harden's exact talents. That team instantly became the semi-contender. Yeah. Um, Giannis has as much talent advantage as Harden does. For sure. The blueprint is there for Budenholzer to build, you know, a great offense around that. And I think they let... I've been saying for years that with their length and speed and athleticism, they've been leaving a ton on the table defensively. And people forget that the year after the Hawks won 60 games, they put up like a top five defense with Horford, Corver, Millsap... Uh, Bazemore or Carroll, I can't remember which, and T. It was Carroll. Yeah. So, like, not a great, like, as much defensive talent as the Bucks have. Yeah. So I see a lot of reason to expect the Bucks can win 55 games. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. All that being said, 
you know, I love Middleton. I think it's good they got Parker out of there. It just didn't it didn't work for whatever reason. They both needed new homes. You know, beyond Middleton and Giannis, you know, Brogdon's solid. Um, what are you going to get out of Bledsoe, I think is an interesting question. Bledsoe is in, you know, character concerns. I'm not a big character concerns guy, but it didn't seem like Bledsoe knew, super knew his role on the team in the playoffs. Yeah. Well, also, like, so I, I just know. don't know. I don't know what Bledsoe's supposed to give you. Like, I guess, like, he's supposed to push the pace. And, like, I mean, honestly, like, if if Bledsoe, if, like, they could really unleash the athleticism and, like, have Bledsoe, Giannis, fast breaks that were actually fast, like, that might be really cool. I don't know. I I, I found myself wondering, like, well, like, Brogdon can be the point guard. He can be a really, like, But he's not a point, point guard, guard point guard. He'll dribble yeah. the ball up and pass it. Yeah. And guard point guards. But he's not a point guard point guard. He's not a distributor. Yeah. Well, I don't think Bledsoe is either. No. Bledsoe, the only reason Bledsoe makes sense is defensively because he's, like, six feet and moves like a six-foot guy in the NBA but has, like, six, seven arms. Yeah. He can smother other point guards when he's in the right mindset. Um, so we'll see what happens with them. And honestly, if you told me that either Simmons or Embiid was missing 20-plus games, I'd pick the Bucks to have a better record. Interesting. Um, really just a coaching play. I think Bud's yeah. a really good coach. I want to see what happens. They, they have some guys who I'd be interested to see their development, like Thon, Thon Maker, Mucker, everybody's favorite uh, YouTube basketball prospect. He's going to be a big Bud guy. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll see if he, can, like, if he can actually like develop a little bit. Because he's got all the tools. He should be better than he is. No, so like, I mean, well, he has all the tools. I mean, he can kind of shoot, and he's quick, and he tries hard, and yeah. he works really hard. I and don't I th- know if I'd call that all the tools. Well, he's he's got he's got a fluid shot. He's big, he's fast, and he can, and he's not a terrible dribbler. So I think that that is a, is a bunch of them. But anyway, like, I also, I'm, I'm curious to see what happens with DiVincenzo. Like, is he supposed to be... Like, your shooting guard eventually? Are you trying to, like, do a roster that has no... Like, are you trying to have some lineups that eventually have, like, no five, where Giannis is your five? Where you have, like, Bledsoe, um, Brogdon, DiVincenzo, Middleton, Giannis? I don't know. I, I didn't really understand that pick when they made it, but, like... Oh, I, I'm very glad you brought him up. I very much understand the pick. Yeah. I think he was some of the best value left on the board, uh... After the lottery, interesting. I was really surprised, especially after the title game. <laughs> he didn't go far uh, earlier. Um, I mean, what do you want from a guard in the NBA besides the ability to jump out of the gym, the ability to shoot, and playing really hard defense and having team success? I, I mean, I, I, I was kind of very surprised he didn't go earlier, um, and. You know, I I don't want to say like I would have been happy if the Bulls took him at seven. Like I'm not that crazy, but I think if the Bulls had traded back and took him at twelve, I was cool with it. Mm. Um, I so I really like him. Um, and a lot of these guys, right? Like if they get to the NBA and it turns out they can't shoot from NBA three; they can only shoot from college three. Their That's ceiling tough. plummets, yeah. and that could happen to anyone really. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I'm very high on him. Yeah, but let's uh, let's get into the top three. Sure. Let's also just do a quick shout-out to our friend Trayvon Duvall from Duke. I hope things work out for him. 
Me too. I didn't love what I saw in college. <laughs> yeah, he kind of underwhelmed. I will say, I um, I watched that first game they played. I think they played like Michigan State, mm-hmm. and uh, Duvall was sensational. Yeah, he's he's got talent. And I was like, this guy, this is like what I loved about um, what's his name, the point guard on the championship team, Jones. Tyus. This is what I loved yeah. about Tyus Jones. Um, just like the way he played, the way he found guys, like total point guard, point guard, like passer. Um, and just, he never had a game that good the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sad. and he was looking at the draft board too much, but I, you know, he's a great athlete, great passer. We'll see what happens with him. Um, all right. Top three teams, Raptors, Celtics, Sixers. Two questions. One. Who do you have getting the best regular season record? Two, who do you have coming out of the East? Celtics and Celtics. Okay. Explain. So here's 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 a hot take for you. I don't I don't know how hot it is. I think it's kinda hot. Jason Tatum, Eastern Conference All-Star. I think I was having this great conversation with our friend Noor about who we could actually see um, taking the reins from LeBron slash, like, I mean, KD might get a year as top dog when LeBron starts to really slide. And you'll have, like, you know, your Anthony Davis and your Giannis, um, and we'll see if if those guys can take that leap and and be in that place. But just given, like, that LeBron's going to probably hang on two or three more years, and just given I don't know how much more Giannis and AD can develop, that really only leaves a couple, like, it, it moves on to the next generation of who's going to take that mantle and be the best player in the league. And what we were saying is that, honestly, you could see it being Ben Simmons, and I argued you could see it being Jason Tatum. So, like, I think that, there's, that, that, that Tatum has about as high of a ceiling, in fact, I will say a higher ceiling than just about anybody else in the league. And when you add to that roster, Gordon Hayward. And, I don't, and I'm not going to project full, you know, semi-all-star level Gordon Hayward, like pushing Western Conference all-star style Gordon Hayward. But, you know, if you, if you get, like, let's say 80% of that and, uh, you know, 60, 70 games of Kyrie, that to me is just, like, that's a roster that can compete for a championship. I mean, yeah, they're championship contenders. I and their bench, like, I mean, you just you like, they lost nobody. So like, I mean, when you have when you have Rozier and Smart both able to come off the bench, when you have Morris who's able to come off the bench, and like, you know, you can sub in Aaron Baines to like play your big, you know, play against big fives and having the best coach in the league. Let's not forget. So they they do have the best coach in the league. The best player in the conference is going to be either Kawhi. Giannis, or Ben Simmons, possibly one of the Sixers guys. Yeah, um, I don't foresee a world where the Celtics have the best player in the conference. Um, so I just I'm not saying start next there. year. I'm saying okay, but we're talking about next year. I know, but like the ceiling is important in the context of the conversation. Okay, um, so Hayward, I is not a known quantity yet. Um, I project good things for him. You know, even if he's eighty percent as good as he was the year before, 
but still a really fucking good player, and someone yeah. they just didn't have last year when they almost made the finals. Yes. Um, Kyrie being 100% is awesome. Um, you know, I love they brought back Smart. Uh, they got Marcus Morris. They got Rozier. They got Baines. You know, they've got this deep team. Um, yes, 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 yes. They'll be very, very good. That being said, um, I don't think... I mean, they undressed the Sixers with tactics. Um, and Horford had an amazing year last year in the playoffs especially. I don't think they're going to cakewalk through the Eastern Conference. No, um, I think there's absolutely not. real arguments to be made that the Raptors and Sixers can beat them in a series. Oh, for sure. Um, and to be honest, I'm still very split about picking the Raptors or the Celtics to come out of the East. Regular season, the way Stevens coaches, um, my guess is the Celtics will get the, the one seed. Um, just because, you know... Whatever. Night to night, he's going to have them so much more prepared than the average team. Um, And as good as the Sixers were last year, and as good as they will be when their guys are 100% developed, um, still a lot of questions for that team. I don't think Covington will ever shoot as well as he did at the beginning of last year. Um, And, you know, I think Simmons, the way Stevens guarded him in a playoff series, um, I... by the Celtics last year completely got in his head um and you know I think he has some soul searching to do like on a existential basketball level before he can beat that I would never pick the Sixers to go past the Celtics in a series until Simmons demonstrates um he can be useful offensively um you know not in a fast break the Raptors are where it gets interesting for me um and that's what I really want to key in on I, I can't stress enough the upgrade that Kawhi Leonard is over DeMar DeRozan. Um, DeMar DeRozan, you know, oh my god, he's an all-star. You can get 30. He gets you a pretty inefficient 30 and plays no defense. I like the guy. He has had a great career. I hope good things for him on the Spurs. The Raptors are way better without him. Um, and, you know, I didn't love their coach. I know, like, everyone praised him for having the team pass last year, whatever. I didn't love their coach. And basically, all they've done to their team is turn DeMar DeRozan into Danny Green and Kawhi Leonard. Um, And Danny Green, you know, his three-pointing shooting can come and go. It's usually here. And at the very least, he's guarded like he can shoot. And they're rolling out a starting five of Lowry, Green, Leonard, Ibaka, Valanchunas. Um, And I think what needs to happen is that one of Abak and Valanciunas are playing, and OG Ananobi or Siakam. or Siakam is in there. And when you roll out, like, let's say Ibaka at center, Ananobi, Leonard, Green, Lowry, that's a fucking awesome defensive five. Yeah. And a team that should still score near the top ten. And I look at that lineup, and I don't see why people would assume the Celtics are better, especially when Leonard's the best player in that series. Um and, you know, I think getting rid of DeMar DeRozan, like, what's that going to do to the offense now that you have Lowry, Green, Leonard, Ibaka, and a bunch of guys coming off the bench who can all shoot threes? DeMar was their worst defender and couldn't space the floor. And, yes, he gets 30, but, you know, I think it's really important to mention that 
this is what's here. And, you know, the real upside of a guy who can get you 30 and efficiently is like, hey, if we're fucked in a shot clock or late game, we can kick the ball to him. You can kick the ball to Kawhi Leonard. And, look, if Kawhi shows up and he's just waiting for his contract to run out, it's a different conversation. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's the case. I, I think Masai has been in Kawhi's ear the whole time. Yeah. I think we're going to get a committed Kawhi. And I really think this team has a chance to take out the Celtics in a playoff series. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really excited for all three of these teams. I think, uh, and let, let's let's stick with the Raptors for a second. I'm very excited to see what they can do, and I think something that that's that's very interesting for them is their big regular season advantage, which is that you know when teams when, have to go through customs to get to them. Well, <laughs> yes, but like when teams go to their bench, like the rap and the Raptors go to their bench, they get to have Fred Van Vliet. Daylon Wright and like CJ Miles, Anunoby, Siakam, yeah, just Rose on this team. Which, yes, that, that's that's nothing. For the record, like, Norman Powell, who would be the Bulls' fourth best player and the Nets' best player, is the Raptors' twelfth <laughs> best player. Yeah, that's funny. But like for the Celtics, though, that's not going to matter because you're going up against Terry Rozier and Marcus Smart when they're coming off the bench. Yeah, so like both teams have great depth. So like I think that the that was really the the thing that the Raptors relied on the most last year. And your your most salient point, which is that Kawhi's the best player in the in the conference, I think really holds true and I think is what could possibly get them over. I'm interested to see what Nick Nurse is gonna do, the uh the new head coach of the Raptors. But like I did watch a bit of them last year and a few things stuck out at me. Like Ibaka is very over the hill. Dude, he's washed. He's way past the there's hill. There's a real argument to be made that um, he's not the age that's his reported age. Well, I won't even get into that, but like... So Either I think way, he's old. He's old. Jonas Valanciunas, like, for whatever reason, Dwayne Casey could, couldn't, like, put him on the floor. Like, he was on the bench all the time. Like, he doesn't seem to play a lot of defense. He can't really shoot the ball, although apparently he's taking more threes this year. So, like, I don't love their bigs. Like, I, I think their bigs are fine. I don't think that they're great. I mean, when you're going up against Embiid, right, you'd rather have Valanciunas' 250 pounds than Ibaka or, you know, Anunobi. Sure. But so I think that, I think that the Raptors, for me, what, what's going to determine whether or not they could beat the Celtics is the development of Anobi and Siakam. Like, if Anobi is playing at a at a high level, like and ripping threes, he's yes. like thirty five percent now. If he can get thirty eight, if 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 OG can can kill you if you if you sag off him, and Siakam can um, can take that next leap and be a more like and basically be an actually good big, I like their. I I feel like it's a pretty even split between the Celtics, but right now. What you're selling me on is that is that Kawhi can can basically supercharge um, can supercharge the team and like basically make up for the fact that a lot of them uh, have some flaws. So like, uh, what are the flaws with this? Uh, if I'm running a crunch time five of whichever one of Anunoby and Siakam is playing better, Ibaka, Leonard, Green, Lowry, what are the flaws of that crunch time five? Well, I wouldn't start Ibaka because he's. Or put in Valanciunas if you prefer him. Like, what's the flaw there? I think that's a really, really well-rounded five. Well, so Valanciunas isn't going to be able to really guard the rim. So, and Kawhi can't guard everybody. Ibaka can guard the rim. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. 
That's like all he does. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, I think uh, Ibaka's, when Ibaka's the fourth or fifth best player on your team, it's fine. He just can't, you can't expect anything else out of him. Yeah. Like, I think that's a really good roster, but like, you got to think about who they're going to be going up against. Like, they're going to be going up against Kyrie, and I would probably start Jalen. Jalen, Tatum, Gordon, and Al. Jalen's not a defendant, uh, developed offensive player at this point in time. Yeah, he was getting like eighteen a game in the playoffs Unlike last year. Cuts and uh, he just his only real move is to run at the rim. I'd feel fine with Danny Green on him. I feel fine with Lowry on Kyrie. Uh, Leonard might just erase Jason Tatum. I mean, Leonard yeah, is an I, incredible I, defender. Yeah, I don't. Plus, I don't think you uh, have the option if Kyrie is just abusing Lowry. Of I don't think which Kyrie I think could he score on Kawhi Leonard. Well, that's that's a fascinating matchup. Like, 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 you have, like, you forget, like, that, like, LeBron, like, there's that video of him when the Spurs won the title in 2014, is getting subbed back in the game, LeBron turns and goes, like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> like, if LeBron reacts that way to Kawhi coming in a game, yeah. Kawhi can erase Kyrie if he really wants to, if he's healthy. Yeah. Those are ifs. Big ifs. And, but the Celtics have ifs. What if Hayward's not himself? Yeah. What if Tatum... Plateaus. What if Jalen Brown never learns how to shoot? What if Kyrie gets hurt? What if Horford is a year older and isn't as amazing as he was last year? Yeah. All big ifs. Um, so you can't, I mean, teams it's, have ifs. Yeah, I'm not saying it's certain. I, uh, I'm still picking the Celtics. I, I like the Raptors. Um, oh, God. I mean, it's too early to tell. The better value play for me is on the Raptors. Uh, do you have anything, before we go, do you have anything you want to say about the Sixers? Well, I, I kind of wrote them off pretty quickly. <clears throat> it's the same roster, you know. Um, it's really the same roster. Wilson Chandler's there. He's also 6'8", which is fun. Yeah. You need more guys like that. Um, I think that they're really only going to go as far as, um, like, the Simmons, Fultz, Embiid development goes. Like, Embiid is at full, like, all-star. I mean, maybe even pushing MVP kind of level play. Because, you know, when you're getting 25-10, you know, with, like, two blocks and, like, being such a monster defensive player, that's the MVP conversation for me. So, like, when you've got that, plus Ben Simmons, who, you know, in his first full year in the league, was able to do what he did, like, that's insanity. So, like, if Simmons can continue developing... Like, continue growing and, and add some shooting. If Fultz can give you something, and I would honestly just take, like, I would take 12, I would, you know, I'd take backup point guard, like, giving you a really smooth 15, 5, and 5. I would take that all day. But, like, you know, I, I think it's just going to depend on that development. Like, if Simmons is, is really putting himself in the conversation of, like, top player in the East... And if, like, you know, they can find a way to really incorporate Dario Saric, like, yeah. I mean, I, we'll... I see two paths for them out of the East. It's all about the ceiling. Um, the first path, so the first year James Harden was great, the Thunder made that run and came out of the West. Yeah. And they went to the finals. Um, so if Markel Fultz, he can't just be good, he has to be like, wow, this guy's going to be an all-star good. Um... In the Thunder's case, they had three future MVPs. 
And talent-wise, it's not impossible, right? No. These are three number one overall prospects. Embiid went third because of injury concerns. Yeah. Um, that's, a, that's a path. And if they have three guys that they can stagger who are all fucking unguardable, they can get through. Yeah. Uh, the second path would be if their defense goes up a level. And Simmons, for all the credit we give him as a passer, is a fantastic defender. Yeah. Embiid is a fantastic defender. Covington is a great individual defender. Reddick's fine. Um, it's more of a team thing. And the talent's there, and the size is there, and the speed is there. Um, and if they come out and they're just like the best defense or a top three defense, mm-hmm. it's in play. Defense travels. Defense doesn't take games off. Shooting takes games off. Sure. Um, you know, superstar players can have bad games. Great team defense comes every night. And if they can create that and they have the talent to, I can see them coming out of the East. But they have to hit that or Fultz has to get way better. Or if Simmons can hit a 20-footer anytime yeah. he wants. Yeah, I mean, that, all of those things would be really I, helpful. They're all possible. I don't see one of them happening this year. Um, but, you know, I think... Uh, it's it's so great for these guys' development that they're playing in these games. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's about what I have. Yeah, I have I have them as the as the third best team in the East, and and losing to either the Celtics or the yeah. Raps in the in the semifinals. I think there's uh, four teams that can come out of the East, uh, depending on what happens to the Bucks. But uh, to me, it's really a, a two horse race: the Raptors and Celtics. Yeah. Well, that's that's the truth. I think if anyone came out besides them, it'd be a real shocker. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, got anything else? Um, hmm. I think I'll, I think I'll save, save any more hot takes for the Western Conference. All right. Well, Nick, it was a pleasure. Always a pleasure. for the Western Conference. It's good to be back. Great to be back. Um, all right. That does it for our Eastern Conference preview podcast. Uh, we were a little rusty. Hopefully it, yeah. <laughs> uh, hopefully it came off. Uh, looking forward to the Western Conference uh, soon. Definitely not three months from now. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening. Take care.